The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Do you feel that you're losing the battle with looking and feeling your best? Stop! Welcome to Body Balance Talk with your host, Jeannie Schmidt, along with Lucy and Madeline. Your body has an outstanding ability to heal itself and stay healthy. It's up to you to get the process started. Now, here's the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Body Balance Talk. This is Lucy. And hi, everybody. It's Madeline here. And I'm Jeannie, and we're all so happy to be on the show with all of you. And we've noticed that a number of you, you've already really adopted a totally new lifestyle in terms of what you eat and where you shop, for food especially, what time you go to bed, when you get up, how you exercise, and even the friends and the people that you spend time with, and even your thoughts and, and, and how you're thinking and we know this just because we've got so many different people in the studio that we're having conversations with people all the time about this. And so we hear from from people and just have a good, wonderful group of people to constantly hear from and get a read on how life is going. Now, for other people, this isn't true at all. And instead, this, just this sort of lifestyle that we talk about on the show, it's all brand new. And it can feel really overwhelming. And so we thought that we'd spend this show talking about these lifestyle changes and how you can implement them in your life and how you can make these changes become permanent for you. And we certainly realize that we are all individuals and that even though our bodies run pretty much the same, we all have differences as well. And it certainly is not one size fits all. But with that said, There are actually a number of daily habits that would, for the most part, be appropriate for most everybody. And we think that this is such an important topic, and that's what we like to specialize in here at the studio. And that's in making healthy, permanent lifestyle changes. And we realize, and we're so lucky, that we have so many good naturopaths and holistic physicians and so many great practitioners out there. Oh, we're not hearing Jeannie anymore. So, is she in there? Nope, we still don't hear her. Now do you? Yep. Okay, I just dropped out for a moment there. And so we're so glad to have all of these holistic practitioners really increasing and popping up. And I think it used to be that maybe you'd see more of those people on the coast, but we're getting them really all over the country and more and more people are going into natural medicine And chiropractors are doing such a great job with nutrition and lifestyle and that we're seeing these people pop up everywhere and we're so glad to see that. And it's so necessary to target in on problems that are specific for you when you're using these kind of practitioners to work with. And these are the type of practitioners you'd want to work with if you're dealing with issues that you cannot figure out yourself. 
And um, in my experience, so talking with so many of these different practitioners and how their practice works for them, I hear from them that their biggest problem is actually with the patient's Uh, It will be the lifestyle change part of that. And for instance, it's so great to figure out that you're dealing with parasites or it's great to find out that maybe one of your problems is excessive bad gut bacteria and then to find out specifically what type of bacteria it is. And it's so great to go on a program then to maybe kill those organisms. And maybe you use herbals or maybe you're using antibiotics And the same is true for things like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, thyroid trouble, irritable bowel, cancer, obesity, diabetes, and heart disease, and really all of the chronic diseases. And so you would go to the practitioner, maybe do some labs, have um, some extensive questionnaires and question and answers. I'm talking about when you go to the more um, the natural or holistic type of practitioners, they're going to spend a lot of time talking with you, and you usually fill out a number of forms with your symptoms, labs, and then maybe you'll get a diagnosis, and then you'll get on a treatment plan, and hopefully that you get some relief and your labs improve, and maybe you even get complete relief and you feel so much better or maybe it's partial relief. But what is so critical is the lifestyle change part of the treatment. And that's the part that people may possibly be doing in the beginning, but then when they start to feel better, they start to slide and let it go altogether. So imagine that you're feeling really, really tired and fatigued, and maybe you're dealing with irritable bowel and a few other problems, and you go into the practitioner, you get labs, and go, oh, that's what my problem is. And so you do the treatment plan, and then, of course, they're going to be mentioning a diet to you. Maybe they give it to you on a piece of paper, and then you think, well, I'll, I'll do this, and then you start feeling better. Well, then soon, after weeks or maybe months, you think, well, you know, that bagel can't hurt, or I think I'll go back to dairy because, you know, I'm really doing well. And then things start to slide. And when that happens, the health problem will oftentimes return because a cure or a reversal of the health problem is always, always, always dependent on the lifestyle changes. And now I'm going to guess that you might be thinking, now that's not true with if I have organisms. Like say that I have parasites or bacteria or yeast, and you might be thinking that once you kill those critters, then everything is going to be good because the problem is just that, oh, I'm infested with these critters, so I just kill them and then they're gone. So that could be the same with H. pylori. You think, oh, I have H. pylori. And my doctor said, if I take these antibiotics and kill them, then it's just going to be gone and all the problems are going to be gone. And what's kind of interesting about it is your symptoms do usually improve. But that's not really true because you have to ask the question about how those critters got there in the first place. And we need to understand that we all have parasites, we all have bacteria, and we all have yeast. And we have a lot of it and a lot of different kinds of it. But why did they take the opportunity to overgrow in that person but not somebody else? So we have to ask, how did that happen in the first place? Well, it happened because the conditions in your body were set up to support overgrowth of those organisms. And it's the same with cancer. So understand that we all have cancer cells starting all the time. And we don't want to think, oh, I'm somebody that I've been tested. I'm clean of cancer. I don't have any at all in my body. 
Um, maybe you've been tested and you don't have some sort of big tumor going on, but we all have to understand that our cells are always turning into cancer cells here and there in small places. And then we have all these systems in our body to keep that in check so that it doesn't overgrow. So we've all got the cancer cells starting, but why do they take hold and overgrow in some people and at sometimes and not others? And you have to ask the question, what conditions does cancer need for it to overgrow? Well, it turns out that actually different cancers need a little bit of different environments to grow in. Every single cancer is not exactly the same. However, it does turn out that all cancers can grow the best in an environment with low or no oxygen. They also grow real well in a system that has a lot of sugar that's available because it's true that all the different cancers like to feed on sugar. And then all of the cancers grow in an environment with low nutrients. So those would be three things, three conditions that you can set up in your body that make it easy for cancer to grow in. So if your system had plenty of oxygen at the cellular level, that would mean that in your cells there's plenty of oxygen around, then, uh, and if your cells also had plenty of nutrition in the cells, so that would be plenty of vitamins, plenty of minerals, plenty of all the things that your cell really needs to operate efficiently, and then if you had very low sugar available in your bloodstream, cancer would have a really hard time growing. And for cancer to be in check, you also need an immune system that can address and take care of cancer growth. So we know that excessive stress depletes the immune system, making people much more vulnerable to cancer overgrowth. And in terms of the parasites, the bacteria and yeast, they also thrive in certain environments. And they also, kind of like cancer, they thrive in high sugar environments. Now, it's interesting to note that yeast actually likes to live off parasites. So you would think that if you had a problem with yeast and you just decide only to kill the yeast, that might not be getting to the problem in the first place. Oftentimes, yeast will be overgrowing not only because of the high sugar, but if you have a large amount or certain type of parasites, that often will breed yeast. And so only treating yeast without treating the parasites doesn't really... doesn't really help the problem overall. So that would be an instance where you go, oh, I treated yeast, and then usually people are going to feel a lot better. Like they go, oh, I feel so much more energy. I feel a lot better because I treated my yeast. Uh, However, then as the months go on, that yeast can still start to overgrow again because it actually feeds off the parasites that you didn't get to in the first place. And then the bad bacteria, that can easily overgrow in an environment with inadequate good bacteria. And then the sugar in the diet. And remember that the sugar includes all grains in addition to sugary foods. So we remember that oftentimes we hear this. This is just, we hear this all the time. Oh, I don't really go for sugar. I don't really eat candy. You know, it's popcorn and bread and cereal. Those are the things that I really like. Well, there's not really a lot of difference in that. Remember that when we're talking about sugar, that that's going to really put all of the grains in the same category as that because all those grains turn into sugar and that provides a nice constant sugar diet for these critters, the bacteria, and also for cancer. And in fact, it makes you want to eat more of those foods 
So just realize if we're full of bad bacteria that want to eat sugar, it really, really makes us want to eat more sugar. And so that's one of the biggest reasons for people's cravings. And so here we have something going on where the organisms in us are in charge of our food cravings, and it's not really us at all. So it's very good to be aware of this because oftentimes I think people think, oh no, I just really like bread. It's just my favorite thing in the whole world and I can't imagine life without bread. But people truly find that when they move those things out of their diet and their health improves, that they find that, you know what, bread is a complete non-issue at all and they don't miss it at all. And I know you're probably having a hard time believing me or thinking that we're different kind of people over here, but it's not just me and it's not just Lucy, it's not just Madeline. For our environment here at the studio where we have many, many people that eat this way, I don't hear any of these people going, oh, I just really, really miss bread. Now, the people that miss bread are the ones who haven't done it completely. They would be the people who, they only have bread once a week. Okay, if you have it once a week, you're going to keep missing bread. Or if you have it once every two weeks or every other day, or you just have a bite here and there, you're going to keep missing bread. Or if you decide, oh, I don't have bread, but I eat rice cakes every single day and I eat I eat cereal and I eat a bunch of other grains, well, then you're going to still be missing bread. It isn't until you really remove all of those things out of your diet and amp up on the good fats and great animal meats that are um, the good ones that we're going to be talking about later in the show that your body actually starts to adjust where you don't you don't miss those foods at all and they don't enter your mind it becomes just a complete non-issue for you and so back to these organisms here so think about if you went into a practitioner and you had this talk and then you did some diagnostics and find oh wow I have um, Klebsiella or Pseudomonas or I uh, so ha- have these bad bacteria that are overgrowing and you decide to take antibiotics or herbals to kill the organisms. Now that approach can definitely be helpful and sometimes for sure even necessary. Sometimes you have to get in there and actually kill those organisms. So just understand that I'm not saying nobody should ever take those kinds of things because it's actually necessary for most people. Uh, And the same for cancer. Say that you go in and you go, oh my gosh, you know, I have pancreatic cancer or colon cancer. And then you use chemotherapy and surgery or radiation to eradicate the cancer. Again, that is going to maybe be necessary to save your life. However, if after that treatment, you continue your lifestyle habits that supported the overgrowth in the first place, then you set yourself up to experience the same condition again. So we keep wanting to understand that your body is like a condition that you set up. It's a whole ecosystem or environment inside of your body. So we also have these ecosystems in your garden. So if you're somebody that grows a good garden and you go, wow, I'm great at it, you've probably done something 
with the soil to encourage that. You've probably got great worms in there and organisms. You've probably done something. Maybe you compost and you use that great uh, compost in your soil to create um, all the good nutrients in it for your plants. Or say that you're somebody that goes, I can't grow anything. I plant seeds. I do this. I even go to the garden store and I get the plants and they all look healthy. And then I put them in the ground and they all turn yellow or they just die or they just don't ever produce fruit or the vegetables or they don't even produce flowers or, you know, then you go, okay, that's the ecosystem. That's the soil that you're planting these plants in. And so that would be the same with our bodies that you can think of us kind of like a garden and that we, ha- we have this ecosystem in here and it's, o- it's only going to support growth of certain things. And that's going to be how we've already chosen to set up our ecosystem So the good news is that we actually have a great amount of control about how we decide to set up our ecosystem. So you can imagine if we decide, well, I know that that dairy and gluten aren't going to be working for me, but I'm just going to have those anyway. Well, then we see, oh, well, that's the kind of ecosystem that you're setting up. Or you say, I just, I know I just don't really drink water. I just drink pop all day. Well, that's going to be an ecosystem that you set up. Yeah, we've used this example a lot before, but it's such a good one where I, I used to live with a girl who um, told me that she was gluten-free and she took it really seriously and everything. Um, but I kept seeing her eating gluten all the time and like large quantities of it. And she would just say, oh, I'm just going to have this pizza today or this beer today because... I don't really care if I get eczema and rashes and red skin. Um, I'll just wear long sleeves this week and it'll be fine. There's a lot of people that that do that type of thing. Yeah, and the thinking is that, well, if something is not very good for us, we should just eat it in moderation and just maybe cut down on it a little bit and that's going to help. And I think that in the past, maybe like... um, I I think even 15 years ago, that could have half worked for people. For sure, 30 years ago, that could work for people. And you say, I'm just going to cut back on something. And then you would see a dramatic improvement in somebody's health. That is not true today. We have such damaged food out there with the GMOs and with the excessive amount of pesticides and with changing really the quality of what the food is. And then we've got the toxins in the environment that it's just not true anymore today. And that genetic modification of wheat that really wasn't finished until 1980, that was that was only 30, what is it, 34 years ago that that genetic modification finished. And that introduced all of these novel proteins mm. into our diet that our bodies have never, ever seen before. So we see that it actually does take um, more than just moderation if you're looking to improve your health. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks like it's coming time for a break, almost time for that break. Um, we are taking callers when we come back, and the number is one 866 472-5792 and you can email us at info at mybodybalancenutrition.com so we want to hear all of your questions or if you have comments on the subject today we'll be back soon your life your health your network you're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness 
Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan and Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. Kelly covers our relationship with food and teaches us how easy eating well and living well can be, taking us on a weekly food journey, guiding us to a more rich and vibrant life. So tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now back to the show. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Body Balance Talk, and we're waiting for all of our good callers today. Oh, well, um, it looks like we have a caller. Oh, good. Let's Jacob bring is him on, on the here. line. Hi, Hi Jacob. Jacob. Hello, hello. Thank you guys so much for having me today. I'm really, really enjoying this topic. Yeah, oh. what's your question today? Well, actually, I had a testimonial to share because, you know, uh, Miss Jeannie was going over some things about not eating gluten and getting out of sugar and, and different things like that. And there's probably a lot of people listening that have probably started to apply a lot of these things, um, or maybe they are just listening to get a couple tips on how to improve their health. But I just wanted to give a testimonial for really how this has impacted my life um, because it does work. Um, I'd like to start by saying in the past, in my adolescent years growing up, uh, before I reached my 20s and where I am now, for the entire 21 years of my life, um, I literally would be the kid that would eat, like, so much ice cream that you would say, are you kidding me? You're going to gain, like, five pounds. At college, I would eat ice cream every day um, in my first semester, and I actually gained, like, 10 pounds in that semester. I ate so much uh, junk food and sprinkles. <laughs> I would crave, sprinkles. Seriously, I would crave pasta, and I would crave pizza. There's this place in Houston called Mr. Gaddy's, which Houston is like the obesity capity of the world. Um, I would crave pizza, and Mr. Gaddy's is a pizza buffet, um, and they have these little thin slices of pizza, and I remember one day I went in there, and my record was 24 slices of pizza, and I would just crave it. Like, like I I actually was in Minneapolis one time, and I, I stopped in for one of your nutrition classes, and I learned so much. Um, you, you said something about gluten being 
something like a gluteomorphine. It's part of the gluten. And it was literally like a morphine effect. I would be so stuffed, and, and I would continue to eat and eat and eat these, these, um, these um, wheat, wheat products, you know, pasta and, and pizza and stuff like that. And just this year, I mean, and I could go on and on about how junky I used to eat, you know, but just this year I made a conscious decision to actually eat better, you know, kind of just, you know, just to see what would happen. Really didn't, you know, know if anything would happen. Um, but what I've noticed now is that instead of craving that junk food, I now literally crave vegetables. I now literally crave good things for myself. I now crave fruits. I feel so good every time I have like a, I just had a kale smoothie and I'm back on working out now. My stomach literally stings. Like it feels so good. It's like, hallelujah, thank you, Jacob, for putting this in my body. My bacteria, my stomach feels so good. I feel like I'm washing my insides out. I make more money now. Um, I'm more clear. Um, and before, I didn't even know there was a problem. I used to be hooked on bread when I would walk into the restaurant and, and have to have it. But now, I just say, no, thank you. My mom Now, Jacob, is, I have a question for you. So why do you think you make more money now? Well, because I can, I can think a lot clearer, and I'm probably more attractive. I probably... <laughs> <laughs> that, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> seriously, because, you know, I, I'm a person who... I, what I do is I help people improve their lives. And how am I going to help somebody improve their life if mine isn't improved? So I just feel so much better about myself, and I'm getting better by the day. For the first time in my life now, I actually started eating salad, and that's a massive quantum leap for me. Did you eat vegetables in the past? Absolutely never. I remember my parents, they would take things away if I wouldn't eat vegetables. And then I, I remember as a little kid crying because they would try to make me eat vegetables, and they just tasted so nasty to me. Not, not like age 15 or anything, like age 7. Not, not that recent. But at age 7, I would literally be like, no, Mom, I don't want to eat vegetables. And I would, like, be so distraught about it, I would cry. But now, I love them. I put them in my shakes. They're delicious. And they make me feel really good. So if you're listening and you're thinking about making the change, find good ways to um, eat them and maybe... You guys could share with us how to make the vegetables taste good, like putting them in shakes with stevia or something like that, because I want people to experience uh, these same benefits and not eat the junk food that they're eating. Well, great. Well, thank you so much, Jacob, for calling in and sharing your experience with everybody. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. Bye, Jacob. Bye. Well, that that was so great to hear from somebody. And um Jacob, he had mentioned that he's 21 years old. So somebody that's a young person doing this, great. I mean, it's great for anybody at any age. But, you know, I think that oftentimes we think, well, this is for older people who are feeling bad. Well, a lot of younger people don't feel so great either. So this is really something that's for everybody, even for toddlers and even for babies. And we, before the break, we were talking about... If you do come diagnosed with some sort of illness, such as cancer or bacterial overgrowth, and you take some sort of treatment, how it's going to be so necessary to get your lifestyle under control so that you can change the environment inside of your body so that that will actually support health. And Lucy's got a saying that she has over here that she's going to mm-hmm. share with us. Yes. Yeah, this is about genetics because a lot of people think that, oh, I have these certain genetics, so I'm just 
destined to have this state of health or this type of life. Um, But really, like, here's the saying, given your genetics, you have not made enough healthy choices to manifest the health that you deserve. So you have whatever genetics you have, but if you've been carrying out a certain lifestyle that promotes unhealthiness and disease and uncomfortable life, then that's the lifestyle that you're going to experience. But really, we all do deserve good health. So that's why we get to change our lifestyle and our diet to increase our good health. And when you say like we all deserve good health, even more than that is that don't we all have the ability to have great health. Yes. It's just about expressing the proper genes and living the lifestyle that mm-hmm. creates health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And around here we hear <coughs> oh Oh, my coughing today. Around here, we hear two things. One thing uh, we hear a lot of is, oh, well, you know, I'm getting older. So it's kind of like, well, that's an excuse. That's why I'm overweight or that's why I'm tired or that's why I can't think straight or that's why I have all these chronic disease because everybody seems to get heart disease and cancer as they get older. So on one hand, that's something that we hear a lot of. But on the other hand, this is a lot more positive. We hear people in their 60s and even in their 70s say, you know what? I have never, ever, ever felt this good ever in my entire life. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever had good health even as a child. I can't believe how good I feel. I never thought that I would be 60 or 65 or 70 years old and feel this good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like today, um, we actually posted a video on Facebook and I had a quick little conversation with Laura who goes to the studio and she's been coming here for 10 years. And if you just spend a couple of minutes with her, it's amazing how happy and joyful and energetic she is. And she just laughs so much and smiles more than anybody I know. And so, you know, some of the things that she was mentioning is that She just feels so great when she exercises and she knows that she has to come into class and she she just needs to on a regular basis because it helps her feel really, really good. And she mentioned that she she implements some of the nutrition information as well and she drinks her dynamic greens and and she just has so much energy. Mm -hmm. But a lot of other people her age would also come in and say, well, you know, I'm of a certain age and so I have really low energy and I'm really tired out all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And so if you're working with a natural care provider, it's really likely that they've already talked to you about your diet and lifestyle. And maybe they've given you, maybe they talked to you about it or maybe they've given you a handout on it. Uh, they're, they're usually well-trained in this area and know this information. So likely this has actually been presented to you, or if you haven't been to a natural care provider, you can count on that information is probably going to be presented to you. But the tricky part is that it's often easy for us to ignore those words or ignore that piece of paper that they give you or just minimize the importance of the lifestyle changes. And instead, it's really easy to think to to yourself, oh, I have this disease and it's really serious. And it's easy to think that only medical treatment is strong enough to make it go away and that this diet and lifestyle, that's just something on the side and maybe for other people who don't have as serious of a case as you do. It's real easy easy to put the diet and the lifestyle changes in this other whole category of unimportance. And 
hopefully that you're understanding that it's it's actually these lifestyle changes that are really the only thing that's going to permanently improve your health and then keep you healthy. And that the interim medical treatment that you're getting is just that it's interim. And then the real work begins to heal from the inside out. So that's that's when you can say, okay, I've been through the treatments that I need to have to address my problems. So maybe treatments could be certain medications or certain, like even say high blood pressure. You go, you know what? It might be important. Maybe you need to go on high blood pressure medication, but then that something should happen where you go, I wonder why I have the high blood pressure and that you're working with somebody or creating these lifestyle changes to take care of the blood pressure. And then your blood pressure goes down and you say, now I can get off the blood pressure medication. So that we want to think that that sort of medical treatment would be something as an interim treatment till you can change your lifestyle. And you don't always need interim treatment. It just kind of depends on what you're dealing with. And so for this show today, we're not going to get into a lot of specific medical problems. Uh, Instead, we're going to focus on certain diet and lifestyle changes that would help most everybody have a body that would support you in your quest for long-term great health. And so let's start with stress. And I believe in the last few radio shows, we have been addressing stress, but Mm -hmm. I like to just keep bringing it up because this is overwhelmingly a huge problem for almost everyone. And when you have excessive stress, none of your systems work in an optimal fashion. So the key word there is none. It wouldn't be that, well, stress only affects these systems and then it doesn't affect any of these. So you can't say, well, that's not going to affect my hearing or my sight or my big toe. It it ends up that stress is going to affect every single system in your body. And so what systems would be some of the big ones? Well, your hormone systems, all of your hormones suffer, all of them. Hormones meaning cortisol, insulin, growth hormone, sex hormones, and even your hunger and satiety hormones. So all of the, the hormones... Those are those little tiny chemical messengers that float around in your bloodstream and then they go and they tell your cells what to do. So they're chemical messengers and we want those to be working as a symphony so that your body knows what it's supposed to be doing. And when you're under excessive stress, all that starts to get altered and it doesn't work effectively. Your immune system gets suppressed. Okay, now that's important because we just talked about your immune system is necessary to suppress cancer. Okay, it's necessary for lots and lots of things, but we can point out that we, if we are under excessive stress, that has a direct link to expression of cancer. Your digestion doesn't work as well, so you don't get the nutrients to your cells. Now, remember when we just talked about cancer likes to grow in an environment with low nutrition. Okay, so you might say, well, I'm eating healthy food, but if you're under excessive stress, you're going to have a hard time actually absorbing those nutrients and then getting the nutrients to go where they're actually supposed to go inside the cells. And so now you're creating a low nutrient situation when you have yourself under excessive stress. Now, also your brain, it fires up with this excessive glutamate that causes anxiety, Okay, and then when you have that excessive glutamate and the anxiety, that causes more stress. 
Now, you also have your liver that doesn't detoxify as well when you're under excessive stress. So this means that toxins are going to build. And then stress also makes your body hold on to body fat. So then you get fat and then you get even more stressed about that issue. And then stress also depletes nutrients, especially minerals and especially magnesium. And a depletion of magnesium causes even more stress because magnesium is calming for us. So when we have that depletion of magnesium, it makes us feel like any kind of stress is even more stressful. And then it all becomes this great cyclic mass. Yeah, it um. sounds like it would just keep spiraling around and around and around and everything starts getting involved. It really does. Mm-hmm. And so the stress can start and then it depletes nutrients, it, in, it increases toxins, and then you feel worse, you get anxiety. Exactly. It's a spiraling down action for people. And so we seriously encourage you to not minimize stress in your life and do not excuse yourself. Now, we see here at the studio the worst offenders of this are parents and especially moms who are doing everything for their kids. So we don't mean to just point fingers at certain people. Really, stress involves every single person. But um, in our environment, we do see and talk to a lot of moms and hear a lot of things from them. And so we're going to actually just take the opportunity to point the fingers at the moms right now. And, you know, I would say that, of course, it's also dads. But the truth is, is that moms do most of the child rearing. And so we are going to just point the fingers in this case. And we're just going to do that anyway, even if it's politically incorrect. We're just going to plow right ahead and do it anyway because we hear it on a daily basis. <clears throat> yeah. Ye- mm-hmm. Yesterday, um, I, I had a perfect example of, of something with a mother come up. And we did a breathwork workshop. Um, and breathwork is basically like a – it's kind of like doing a, a – a self-improvement, personal growth type of experience that you go through. And the people in the workshop were really excited about um, possibly doing a, a, a longer breathwork retreat in January. And this would be something that you commit a couple of days to, and it's a little bit more expensive. And one of the women was very excited about it and really looking forward to it and was asking about the dates. And then she says, well, you know, I'm going to have to see what my son's sports schedule looks like because I might, you know, be at the whatever tournament all day long. And I just kind of thought to myself, wow, like, I'm just going to guess that going to that tournament probably doesn't feed her and... um really help her feel de-stressed and like she's really taking care of herself. And it's really too bad that she's in a situation that uh, probably she's created where that is going to be more important than taking two days out of your year or your life to really make a difference in your stress levels. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 really take some time for yourself. Yeah, and what you're talking about is it seems like this is wonderful that we would put all of our focus on our kids and that we should really revolve all of our schedules around our kids' social schedule and around our kids' sports schedule. But this is what it ends up creating is parents that are exceptionally stressed out and it puts you at high risk 
for cancer and for all kinds of other other disease states that people really don't want to have. And then you have to ask yourself, what kind of parent are you when you're setting yourself up for this? Yeah, and, and oftentimes these parents, like they're not really, really, you know, peaceful, content, happy people with their lives. They tell us over and over and over again, I'm so stressed out, I can hardly stand it. I can't, mm-hmm. I'm about to break. Like yeah. what we hear people say that all the time. Yeah, and it, and that about to break is a key word because that is, we've heard, I'm about to break or I'm at my breaking point. And so you can imagine if somebody's walking around saying, you know what, I'm just at my breaking point. There's something pretty serious that's going on there. And so when we come back from the break... Yes, we'll continue this talk when we come back, um, and we're still taking callers, so feel free and call. We'll be back soon. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Body Balance Talk. To reach us with your questions and comments, please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to info at mybodybalancenutrition.com. Now, back to the show. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. I'm Lucy, and I'm here with Madeline and Jeannie, and let's just jump right back in. And we were talking about that stress in people's lives, and we were just kind of doing the finger-pointing thing at this point about, um, and just really zeroing in 
on the parenting issue and really encouraging parents not to excuse yourself and just make this excuse that you need to revolve your entire life around your child. And um, we were just mentioning that we do hear this on a daily basis and hear from, especially women, we hear from women because at the studio, it's mostly women here, but of course it affects men as well. And we hear it on a quite daily basis about how various people are at their breaking point and they're not very happy with the way that their lives are going. And most of the time, um, these are people who their whole life is revolving around their child plus or children, and they're, they are um, having a full-time career. And often, too, these women have elderly parents that they're maybe moving or putting into a nursing home, and so they're being pulled in all of these different directions. And that you might think that as a parent that you really need to be at every single hockey game for your kid or every single soccer game or every single dance team competition. And that you might think that you need to drive your kids every single place and that that's the definition of being a good parent is that you need to really put your life on hold for 20 years while you're driving your kids around. And we are going to really encourage you to open up your horizons and think outside of the box and think about other ways that your kids can get Get around. So such as mo if you live in any sort of urban area and there's a bus system or there's subway systems about maybe that the kids can learn how to use that or carpooling with other kids. And I can just hear you now poo-pooing these ideas, but I'm going to encourage you for the sake of you, your own health, and also for the sake of your children growing up into responsible adults that are able to take care of themselves, to even consider some of these other ideas that your child probably will not completely fall apart and break if you're not at every single hockey game or every single hockey tournament, and that this is actually a good part of a kid growing up, knowing that their parents are not at their beck and call and watching them every second. Um, just think of what a kid might think if they saw you taking care of yourself and doing something for yourself. Because we all know that kids actually, they don't really listen to what we as parents say. What they do is they watch what we do and then they do what we do. And so if we're not taking care of ourselves, we're teaching our kids not to take care of themselves either. And so I think that we would all think if we have kids, we really want them to be able to be self-sufficient and learn how to take care of themselves. And so, again, um, very important that you learn the stages of child rearing and what's appropriate for kids at certain ages and understand that by the time a child is 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 and 16, 17 and 18, those are kids that can start to become very, very self-sufficient, meaning are they doing their own laundry? Do they know how to use the laundry machine and the dryer without having it start on fire or wreck the clothes? That would be a good skill for, some, for a kid to be able to learn how to do and maybe do the laundry for their brothers and sisters or maybe for the whole family. How about, do they know how to wash dishes and dry them and put them away? Do they know how to use the dishwasher? How about the vacuum? How, do they clean their own room and make their own bed on a regular basis and that they can live in a clean, well-organized environment that they created? These would be, you would be doing a service to your kids if you, if you create the environment that they can learn these things. And you might be surprised that kids actually think that it's fun to run the dryer and the washing machine and put soap in 
and actually do the dishes. And so we're, we're getting off on a little bit of a tangent here, but this all goes back to stress and that when we take on other people's lives too much, it really, really adds a burden to us and it's not necessary and it's actually doing a disservice to these other people. And so we're going to move out of the stress environment here and we're going to move on to, guess what, what to drink. That's quite a, like a 180 degree turn. So in terms of lifestyle and diet, let's talk about what to drink. So something we would encourage people to do is if you're drinking any pop at all or any drinks that have any sugar in them at all, including sugar in your coffee or sugar in iced tea or any of those other kinds of energy drinks that contain sugar, we would encourage you to just eliminate all of those and instead drink some of these things. One would be clean water. And if you don't ever drink water ever, even just try with one glass of water a day. So if one glass and then you can increase that to two glasses another time, up to three glasses, four glasses. And then for the taste, Dynamic Greens, if you haven't tried those yet, you can get those here at the studio or you could find those maybe in some chiropractor's offices. Dynamic Greens is going to be a very, very wonderful tasting drink that gives you all kinds of wonderful nutrition to your body. And it's not a protein drink. This will give you all those great phytonutrients that are important to bring the nutrients inside of your cells. So when we're talking about creating an ecosystem in your body where bacteria and cancer and viruses don't like to live. They don't like to live in an environment in people that drink a lot of dynamic greens because that's a high nutrient, high oxygen environment. And then another great one would be to take a lemon and squeeze that in your water and just have some lemon water. So that would be good if you go out to eat and the, the waitress comes and says, or the waiter says, okay, what's your drink order? You say, I'd like a glass of water with lots of lemon and ask them for a number of lemon slices and squeeze that in your water. That would be a nice habit to have when you go to a restaurant. Another thing you could do is have lemonade. So that same lemon in the water and maybe just a drop or two of stevia, stevia and that would sweeten it up a bit. And then maybe think if you're drinking coffee, Drink it black or drink it maybe with putting the chocolate dynamic greens in there or the espresso dynamic greens. And then for drinks, no artificial sweeteners like aspartame, NutraSweet, saccharin, sucralose, Splenda, any of those, those would all be good things to slide completely out of your diet, knowing that if you're having artificial sweeteners, you're creating an environment in your body that's not going to be supportive of good health especially not good brain health. And instead, if you're going to use any sort of sweeteners, we like to minimize sweeteners in general, but if you're going to use some, think of using stevia or possibly a small amount of erythritol or xylitol. Mm -hmm. Just doing this is a huge step to better health. And in fact, uh, one of my husband David's sisters, she just stopped drinking Diet Coke. That's all she did. And she lost 30 pounds. So oh, wow. now I know Whoa. that everybody's really different, but um, for her, you know, she just wanted to improve her health and remove that from her diet. And that's what happened to her. And that was even Diet Coke. Mm. And as we know, Diet Coke doesn't even have any calories in it. So it just goes back to that thing again about calories aren't really where it's at. So we think about you're inundating your system with these artificial sweeteners like uh 
aspartame, and that does all kinds of things in your brain. It makes you want to eat more. It fools with your gut bacteria. It makes you produce glutamate, and so you get anxious. And so, so just by getting that out of her diet probably was more calming for her. It didn't increase her appetite anymore, and it helped improve her gut bacteria. So just all of that, that had nothing to do with calories. And so if you're one of these people that goes, I don't know about all this lifestyle stuff and everything that you're talking about and it's complicated. If you just, one thing, change what you're drinking. Now I'm going to put on their alcohol. That's another big deal too. So you know what, if you have one glass of wine every once in a while, it's not going to be a big deal. But you know, people that drink a lot, that's that's not going to be beneficial for your health. And like what's a lot, like one glass a day or more than that? More than that, more than that. And say that you go, oh, well, I only drink on the weekends and I, you know, I just drink a, you know, a half a case of beer. It's not really a big deal because it's just only on Saturdays. Well, that's, that's seriously changing your whole ecosystem inside of your body. So, um, and you know, in general, people are going to know if they're drinking a lot. If you, if you drink as a habit, that's going to be enough alcohol in your system to change your ecosystem. If you go, oh, no, I'm going to a wedding Saturday and I'm going to have a glass of wine or it's a special dinner, I have a glass of champagne. That's different. That's different than drinking all of the time and changing your ecosystem. And then what to eat. Clean up your sources of the animal proteins that you have. So those, they contain antibiotics, hormones, bacteria, inflammatory fat, And also, while we're talking about the animal products, we're talking about dairy as well. And we suggest people just eliminate dairy and just try it for a few months and see how you feel. Just eliminate all of the dairy. Now, if you're somebody that goes, I'm just not going to do that, then at the very least, only just choose raw organic cheese and eat it in small amounts. But for sure... Get skim milk and any other milk. Just get, completely get that out of your diet. And if you have a source of raw milk, though, go for the raw milk. But don't even just think, well, I have organic milk. That usually isn't going to be working very well for people. If you're eating beef, and we encourage people to eat beef, choose 100% grass-fed beef and eliminate all, all conventional beef, even if it says it's local and organic. If it doesn't say 100% grass-fed, then it was fed corn. And even organic corn should not be fed to cattle. So choose to eat 100% grass-fed beef and even eat it a few times a week. That meat, 100% grass-fed beef, is highly beneficial for people's health. Just make sure you chew it up really well. And then you choose pastured pork and chicken chicken, and completely avoid chicken and pork that's fed with GMO grains. So that means you're going to have to ask the butcher or ask the farmer for those. And so by cleaning up your, your animal foods, you get rid of these inflammatory fats. You get rid of the GMO corn and soy. You get rid of the antibiotics and the hormones. And we encourage you to not throw the baby out with the bathwater and eliminate all animal products because they're unhealthy. So that's that's really not the answer. Instead, we encourage you to seek out the healthy sources of meat and eggs. And if you're going to eat dairy, choose the raw ones. And then completely eliminate the factory farmed animal foods. Completely. Completely mm-hmm. and seriously. Yeah, that makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. 
And then you, the next one is to go through your cabinets and completely get rid of corn oil, soybean oil, vegetable oil, Crisco, canola oil, safflower oil, sunflower oil, and margarine, and any other of these tubs of fake butters or oils. And then also get rid of any oils to say that they're processed for high heat. Just gather them up in a box and get rid of all of those. Go to the store and stock up on pasture butter, coconut oil, olive oil, small amounts of good, clean hazelnut and almond oil, and sesame oil. And then you cook with the butter and coconut oils and use the other oils at room temp. And olive oil could be used carefully on low heat, but just no spattering or frying with the olive oil. And then the last one right here is just get rid of gluten. And if you're ready, get rid of all grains, at least for a few months. And you're wondering, well, what is this going to do? Well, cutting the sugar and grains and changing your fats is going to dramatically reduce your sugar load that continues to feed this bad bacteria and yeast. It stabilizes your blood sugar. It leads you away from diabetes com- completely. It will dramatically reduce inflammation from the high blood sugar and the insulin. And so if you've been eating sugar for a long period of time, you're going to see this dramatic reduce of inflammation. And that gluten, the gluten and the grains that also create inflammatory responses and antibodies. And so even if you think that you don't react to grains and gluten, it's being found more and more and more and more that people actually do create antibodies to these things. And that creates troubles with people's brain and their thinking clearly that Jacob was talking about before. Remember when you think clearly, you actually make more money. So that's a good point right there. You feel better. It creates trouble with your thyroid and a lot of your other organs and so these would be things that you move on from starting with improving your drinks and what you're drinking and then you take each step by step Mm -hmm. and see that you're creating a completely different ecosystem and so many of the health problems just start to improve or go away yes real quick before we end the show something i talk to my clients about is thinking what is one thing i can do if i did that one thing would everything else be easier? So today we're talking about drinks, eliminating the not good ones, increasing the good ones, and that makes choosing good foods easier. It increases your energy. Overall, it makes your life easier. So today you can think about that. What's one thing you can do to make your life easier? Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. We'll be on again next week. Meanwhile, we have some new recipes on their way. They'll be on the blog at studiotimeout.com. That's it. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Join Jeannie, Lucy, and Madeline for another edition of Body Balance Talk next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, listen to yourself and make it a healthy life ahead.